What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Knockback, the retro and nostalgia podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my brother, Dagan Moriarty. Dagan, welcome back to the show. How are you today, my friend? Hello, Colin Moriarty. Yes. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Always does me good to see you. Oh, yes. Got a little horse blanket. Oh, you gotta, you gotta, gotta get, that, little, get rid of that little fuzzy. Yeah, what's going on with your life? I was just remembering to turn. You don't want to commit the podcasting faux pas of having your cell phone volume on, so I just turning that down. Man, I'm telling you, my I I know now there was some debate over the last week. Are you getting sick? A little flu like type thing going on, or is it allergies? It's got to be allergies. Every time I step outside, the weather is beautiful right now. You know, it's like 65, sunny, maybe approaching 70 a little later in the day. You know, really nice. Mm -hmm. But I go in to do something super simple, like walk the dog or get the garbage can, bring the garbage cans back up. I come back inside and my head is just swimming. I'm like, what Hmm. is going on? In the fall too, which I think is strange for me because usually I'll get hit every other spring or something like that. The pollen, the flowers are blooming and everything like that. Fall is a weird one. But yeah, it's it's really having like an impact on me. It's so strange. You're supposed to. It's so weird. Like I feel like as you get older, you should grow out of these things. Hmm. We should reward ourselves with aging, not you know, get worse as we get older. But yes, I don't know what's going on out there. I, and I hear it from people everywhere, like all over the country, West Coast friends, people down south in Georgia, Georgia. So I hear it's like all over the country. I don't know what's going on. They do like to do things a little bit more deliberately down there in Georgia. (laughs) See how I tied that in for you? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Anyone anyone brings up any of the South Carolina, Alabama, oh, down there. Well, Dave, speaking of nature, we're here today to talk about the 2009 film Avatar. And uh, so I have an ulterior motive for this and my time management, my need for time management is that there's a game coming out in December from when we're recording this 
from a studio I really love called Massive that's owned by Ubisoft over in Europe. And they make a series I love called The Division. And they're making more Division games, which is cool. But they have also been working on a long in development avatar first person shooter that looks a little bit more like a Far Cry game, which really speaks to me because I love Far Cry as well. And so I knew I was going to play that game. I was like, yeah, I, I, massive with the kind of Far Cry checklist open world. I'm down with that. That sounds great. But I don't know anything about Avatar. And so that would be heavy poser energy. Thus, <laughs> and I can't have that. And I was always planning on kind of watching it in the prelude. Anyway, the second one just kind of came out more recently, which I know even less about. I did watch the trailer this morning for that just to kind of like understand it now that I've seen the film. And so now I have the appropriate or maybe half of what would be the appropriate knowledge for the game. I guess I'll watch the second one at some point, too. But this was my first experience with Avatar. And back when this movie came out in late 2009, James Cameron, of course, I just missed it. I just didn't give a shit. I didn't know anyone that gave a shit. And that's actually one of the funny legacies of this film. And I noticed I noted this just looking at the Wikipedia earlier today when I was just taking some extraneous notes on release dates and all of the rest that there's an entire section of the Wikipedia related to the fact that how is this movie so big without having really any cultural resonance almost at all. In other words, it, it made such a dramatic amount of money and did dramatically well and no one talks about it. And I think someone in the legacy thing wrote how no one even knows like what any of the characters are or anything like that. There's no, there's just nothing about it. It's very vanilla. And so I went and in, in going back and thinking about it through the lens of what I saw, I'm like, yeah, kind of. I thought it was a little boring, actually. And what's what's a bummer about it is. The first it might, I made Michael laugh because like the first 15 minutes or so, I was like, this is fucking dope. And then I I, I was like, how did I not? They're on like a, a, a long voyage interstellar ship and cryo freezing and they're going to this this moon of a gas giant that's wonderfully wooded and has all this crazy wildlife and they have they have this massive mining operation. I was like, this is awesome. And yeah, I got vibes obviously of like Terminator and just, I don't know. You can see it feel a lot of James Cameron in there. Yeah, and a lot of aliens in there. Aliens, of course. Right. Yep. Yeah, of course. And I was just like, okay, this is great. And then I said, this is exactly what I said. I'm like, wait a minute. I, Cause I had this revelation because it goes and it's all humans and all the rest. And it just looks great. And I'm like, wait a minute. The, the blue people are going to fuck this up, aren't they? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> and she laughed and kind of just said, like, wait. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of what happened. It's it's not to me. To, who the fuck am I? James Cameron is like one of the most accomplished filmmakers and writers of entertainment of all time. And he knows exactly what he's doing. But I see an avatar. My first instinct in, in talking about it is just that there is something really cool here and they just did everything they could to not get into what was cool about <laughs> their situation and that to me was a little bit of a bummer so in watching avatar which is apparently a beloved film it made three billion dollars at the box yeah. office oh, which huge. is crazy 10 times probably what it costs to make so everyone made a lot of money involved in it you know fox and i saw that fox actually turned it down and then when Disney was sniffing around, they kind of before Disney obviously bought all that stuff. They they came back and said, like, no, well, never mind. We'll take it. Very smart. Oh, yeah. Move. And James Cameron, obviously negotiating his rates and all of these various things. So that's very cool. And it's one of the most highest grossing films, I think, ever, especially adjusted for inflation. But I think it's just kind of vanilla and it's not even the CG, which is 
very good for the time, but doesn't hold up as well, I think. And I appreciate that he wanted to make it even earlier. And I'm glad that he held off on doing that. But I just I thought I thought it didn't pay attention to what was cool about it. It could have been something different. It should have probably been something different. I'm not particularly interested in the Navi at all. They're kind of boring. And I think that it's very rushed. There's a pacing issue in it, too. When I kept saying to Mike, I was like, this is like a trilogy in one movie. When he's speaking, for instance, the uh, Jake Sully speaking to the to the Navi, I'm like, you would expect that this would be something that would happen in the middle of the third movie or something. You know, what? Like, <laughs> that's well said. It's yeah. like very fast. And they so they don't take time like that. The, what we saw in the first film could have been all of Avatar. And I don't know where they're going to go from here. Obviously, they're going to retaliate and do all that stuff, I'm sure. And the humans are going to come back and fuck everything up. And they kind of tease that very open endedly at the end of the first Avatar, which is cool. But that's kind of my my open my opening salvo about the film is that it starts out really, really cool. I wish it remained what it was before we saw the Navi. (laughs) (laughs) In in other words, it would have been cool if you never really even see them or you only see them scarcely in their There's a horror element to it or something. I don't know, man. It's just this is just I I can see now why this movie kind of just came and went through people based on its fidelity and the way they saw it in the theaters and all the rest, but it's not really well talked about today is because it's not great in yeah. my opinion. And it's, it's fine. old. Yeah. It's anyway, what, what do you think? I threw out a lot there. What do you think about Avatar? Yeah, I mean, it's well said. I like you referring to it as vanilla. I think that whole sentiment about the Navi is a pretty, that's a pretty popular sentiment among people like you and I, I think generally, even now, you know, 13, 14 years on and the whole thing. And what's interesting about this topic, and I totally understood why you picked it, is that, first of all, it fits into the knockback criteria wonderfully, so that's mm-hmm. fine. Check that off the list. But I think it's strange in that you and I were both under a rock with this movie. I hadn't seen it either for some reason. And really, for me, similar to you, I was kind of, I always kind of judged it from afar and honestly kind of turned my nose up at it from a distance for a long time, of course, without ever bothering to see it. And I'm not even exactly sure why. I think I was kind of put off by that sort of, all right, this is Uncanny Valley, the movie, you know, especially channeling like a late to late aughts Dagon. I could definitely see, despite James Cameron, who I really like, you know, we talk about Terminator. Aliens is one of my favorite films of all time. Despite that, I just thought of like, this isn't Aliens, James Cameron. This is Titanic, James Cameron. There was something about that. And you know what I discovered, though, with this? I'll be honest with you. This does make a much better movie now having seen it than a trailer, right? It's totally, for me, it was totally fine. It just doesn't hold up as a two-minute clip show. You know, I channel myself watching trailers for this back in 2008, 2009. And for some reason, it just can't be all these wacky visuals. It just needed context. So I come out thinking the movie was okay. It was pretty good. It was better than I expected, judging it from just watching two-minute clip shows. Again, like a reel, like a demo reel of the movie. It just doesn't... It's a rare thing in that the movie just didn't work like that. I thought it was okay, but there is something, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, with the special effects later, but there's something, I have a sneaky suspicion about this movie that there's this kind of, 
I don't know, there's this kind of purist mantra that I apply to things, not just as a creator, but as someone who's like an avid moviegoer, right? And who likes and media. As, as long as the process is organic. So as long as the story and the story you want to tell is dictating the requirements for the technology and the visuals and the digital tools, it won't feel cold and it won't feel superficial and it won't feel artificial. And I think there's two James Camerons, right? There's the one you hear about that's like, oh, I grew up in the woods, kind of very Miyamoto. Like I just would spend mm -hmm. 10 hours in the forest collecting crickets and it was all about nature. It was all about, you know, imagination. And then you hear the James Cameron literally saying in the same breath, like I headed up a, you know, a special effects house, a, v a VFX house. And it was all about creating the digital tools that nobody could catch up with. You know, it was all about the technology. It was all about what we could do digitally. And, you know, it was all, it was all about that sort of the look and feel and what can we mm. do now with the computer. So I think this movie has a little bit of A, which helps it for me, and a little bit of B. But the B really does make it feel weird. I think with the Navi and the technology and the look of these blue creatures, it grew on me. I have to say it did grow on me over the course of the film, but I also know what you're saying that in those, in that sort of original 10 or 15 minute churning as the movie started up, which was largely obviously live action with a lot of cool visual effects in terms of environments and the spaceships and all of those type of things before the creatures, really, you could say. It did. It felt more like a grounded Terminator aliens type thing, which is, oh, this is just going to be like a badass sci-fi James Cameron thing. And then it grows into this visual effects circus, basically. And then I could see that losing a lot of people because especially in 2009, I don't it, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And it didn't age as bad badly as I thought it would 15 years on. There's also a really strange thing that's a little annoying to me with Avatar in that this is a weird franchise, originally one film for many years until literally not even a year ago, right? And now mm. we're going to get three more after the sequel. But this is something with seemingly no expiration date, even though it seems like nobody really cares about it. Everybody has a very laissez-faire attitude towards yeah, it. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, yeah. and a weird indifference. Like it's they'll very, watch yeah, it, good, but it's not, it doesn't stay with them. It has this constant evergreen relevancy despite the apathy that's really strange. You know, apparent, it's, it's immortal, but at the same time, everybody's just like treats it as it's like this arm's length relationship with it. Like, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just a thing. I didn't know anything about it, Kyle, except when we went to Disney world in 2017, the ride was almost finished. There's an a, a ride at Disney world's animal kingdom in Orlando called avatar flight of passage, which is not a traditional roller coaster. It's actually kind of a 3d virtual reality joyride thing where you just fly on the back of a banshee through Pandora. And when we went back in 2020, early 2020, which was the last time we were there, it we got to go on it. And it was, it was pretty awesome. It was the one ride across all the theme parks there 
that was like, okay, that's a three hour wait in line, even with the fast pass, that type of thing. It was brand new at that point. It was, it was relatively new at that point. It was still very, very popular, but that's what I'm talking about. Everybody knows it. Everybody will stand online in Disney for, you know, for countless hours, but it's not like any, nobody's a diehard fan. Like they see, it seems like, like a star Wars. Right. Or like a Batman or like a Star Trek. There's no there's no hardcore devotees to it, which is really strange. But it's nice now to get a a little context. And I understand your sort of point of view of like wanting to have that foundation. Let me check out the source material before this game comes out, which I'm almost assured to like, given the developer and everything like that. So I understand why you wanted to do it. It was nice to finally do it. And uh, I I guess the upside is that. You know, I'm not madly in love with it, but it was it was at least okay for me. Yeah, it was fine. It was totally fine. I I loved what you said, the complete indifference. I, I just became, the more I got in, in, ingratiated with the Navi and being with the Navi and then the fight, I'm like, uh, it, it gave me a little bit of episode one vibes. Yes. Jar Jar Binks kind of vibes. Totally. The Naboo shit vibes with the fights but everything's weird and foreign and that's cool see there's so that's what's frustrating to me about this movie is it's a wonderful idea you just and who again i'm way out of bounds because of how popular and how much money it made although like you said indifference and apathy towards it so maybe everyone just feels like this it was one of those cultural zeitgeists it's the same way about how no disrespect to her specifically but someone like britney spears selling you know 10 million copies of a record everyone's like how the fuck but it happens and it's fine. She's fine. And this is fine. And, but when I see the setup, I'm like, Oh, James, you didn't understand what was truly cool about this. And I, it does feel like you are wedging again, five movies. There's going to be of this. And I'm like, where, and this is what I was remarking to Michael when we were watching it. I'm like, that could have, this could have been the five movies. I don't even understand what this can possibly be about now. Why did they go? If he had this whole vision for this, because I didn't know this about um, about his filmography. I'd assume there were a few things in between and there are documentaries, but he didn't do anything in between Avatar and Avatar Way of the Water in terms of major motion picture no. releases or whatever. Yeah, no. So this was his vision and he's been living with this since the 90s and all of that. And so it's so surprising to me that his vision was something so rapid in the first movie where I was like, you could have just slowed this down. The first movie could have just been about their arrival and interactions, like initial interactions, almost a horror like feel. The second one, maybe jake sully's taken by them or something crazy happens the third one obviously a resolution where maybe they all agree to fight back and and for that one day they win against this mega corporation but they just they move so fast and so i see this butterfly effect that comes out from this main story and i'm like damn dude you could have gone in almost any other direction and it would have been more interesting than this because when you see i love the visuals the, the, the everything about it they they're in space for six years there's this que- question i have and maybe it's answered in extraneous I'm, I'm not reading any of the books like, <laughs> please just don't even they definitely must exist yeah the, uh, there's like a small canon i think around it in different ways yeah it makes sense. and so i'd like to know the, they're in they're in these ships for six years that seems like a short amount of time to go to, into cryosleep to be honest with you you're not cryosleep as we envision it at least in hard sci-fi is not for six-year voyages so i i'm confused about that about how quickly they travel and all of that but there's all this cool stuff like you said aliens like setup yeah you see this huge gas giant with other moons and then this this moon that we're going to pandora you land there 
the visuals are wonderful. Just a huge landing pad with a perimeter and then just complete wildlife, right? Like they're there. This is a, a base in the wilderness, the most dangerous places they set up. And I love that thing. The intro with the, the military guy where he's like, yeah, this is like the fucking craziest thing you're ever going to experience. And I'm like, this is dope. This this is so cool. They have really no idea what they're dealing with. They're here out of greed. And this could have leaned a lot harder into the allegory that obviously exists underneath the, mo- the movie, which is like colonialism is bad and you can't treat the earth badly and be careful how you do blah, blah, blah. OK, so and we'll get into all of that. I, and that's that's cool. But they just it's so corny. Some of it, the way they do it, the the creepy thing with the hair where you plug in the other animals and the so sentience weird. of the I'm like, this kind of sucks. That dude. Was no offense. So strange. I, I, I was like, Why didn't they just leave that out and just do like a psychic link? If you're going to if you're going to channel anime and we'll talk about this, if you want to borrow from anime, do something a little more elegant where it's like a telekinetic thing with ESP and stuff. Why this weird sort of nod towards sexual tendrils plugging into each other, male, female type shit. It was really, it was kind of gross. It reminded me a lot of what they would do with the last of us, with the, with the zombies and, and, and you know, the, the undead or the mushroom people in that show much later on, but it worked so much more effectively in the game and, and that, TV series than it does. Yeah, that was a really, that's a strange Listen, I wonder in saying all this, not having had this thought previously, but now thinking like, is CG technology in the digital tools, is that just bad for James Cameron? Because when you think of something like Aliens, right? We love the xenomorphs, but there's a buildup. There's a slow burn to actually seeing them. And you really don't see much of them throughout the movie until that climactic queen fight at the end. You really don't see much of the xenomorphs. It leaves you wanting more. And because the practical effects and trying to make it look sophisticated, you can't really... You have to use your... Use your illusion, right? To channel (laughs) Guns N' Roses. You have to do smoke and mirrors. You have to show things in the dark. You have to, you know, actually not show the cards you're playing right with digital tools you have the ability to do anything but that doesn't mean you should and it there's like this clamoring to get to it in this movie i know exactly what you're saying it feels like let's show them all the badass digital shit you know let's show them all the weta let's show them all the you know all the stuff we've been working on and, and developing for the last 15 years there's like this mad dash to get to that and again i think there's a there's this feeling of superficiality to that you know where it's like it's not about the story anymore it's not about setting up this interesting character this marine who's disabled that you know lost his brother and even that stuff that you're saying leading into pandora there's one beautiful shot i kept rewinding and i was like dude you got to finish this movie where they come into the planet and they're sort of i guess it's kind of supposed to be a quarry And there's these giant dump trucks, which are just futuristic approximations of what we already have. And then behind it, there's this giant sifting machine. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Like it's what they do with environments and atmosphere. And again, the spacecraft and the different tech and mech is pretty cool in this movie. It's not until you get to the creatures, specifically the Navi, where it's like it feels like showing off. I guess that's really what it is, which it feels like a lot of style and not a lot of substance. 
you know, and this is, I wonder, I wonder what our younger viewers will think, because this is two old men sort of, you know, barking up the same tree as we always do. But I, I stand behind that. There's just something, there's a feeling, you know, that's like something that you get in Aliens versus something that you get in this movie where, I don't know, there was just, there's just, it's just better storytelling it doesn't have to rely on the digital tools. I'm a fan of the digital tools. Don't get me wrong. Man, yeah, I, I like a CG. lot of what they I like a lot of what they did, too. I just think it's I think this level of design is just very uninteresting after a while. Yeah, the kind yeah. of the, the bio, the exotic biology. It's cool for especially plant life and seeing how that's all rendered and with the different biologies that they have. They, I, I, I'm sure it's somewhere, but their, their atmosphere obviously isn't the same as ours. I don't know if they all breathe oxygen it's just different levels or if it's a different different thing entirely and they're pulling different things out of the atmosphere i have no idea but it's cool to think about that and, and hypothesize about that hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Let me ask you this. You all right, so everything happens in the beginning. You're in a mm-hmm. spaceship. And by the way, I did look this up enough to know that there and I don't think it's actually in the movie, but the planet is in Alpha Centauri, which is actually where Herbroxy is also set and a bunch of other stuff. It's all things are set there all the time because it is the closest star system to the to the Earth outside of our own system and it's four light years away. So that suggests that a six year voyage, they're going at like what, 75% the speed of light. So they cryo freeze themselves, go there. So we have all of this story. You get to this place, you see exactly what you see. You land, you see the huge earth churners and all of that. And everyone gets out. Like, where would you go from there? Because to me, it's like, you gotta, you gotta make a small group of interesting people and penetrate and go out into the woods. To me, it should have been like, we've never really gone much further than this. We don't have much of an interaction with these people. We were kind of scared of them. They have carbon reinforced bones and all these things. And we're so we have maybe we have an alien like or an aliens like group of military guys that are going to go out in this Vietnam like war situation and try to figure things out. Like to me, that's the direction I would have gone in. Kept it very, I don't know, fucking creepy. And it could be platoon like in the sense that like they're doing horrible shit and they are like if you want to keep with that theme which is totally fine with me I think even worthwhile to explore then say like yeah we're there this is a a, a group of human humanity that has no respect for anything they come from an earth that they've completely destroyed already they're ready to do it here but you don't have to be so literal with it with huge earth movers just barreling through the forest to this massive tree that you're going to shoot missiles at. And so I'm like, this is kind of like something a six year old would have written in some no offense, like in some way, like the way it goes out, as opposed to something more thoughtful and deliberate that would have allowed it to breathe. So I don't know if he felt like he needed to get too much into the film, like just too much information that had no real clarity, probably didn't. And if he would ever get a chance to revisit it again. And now that he has all the money and clarity that he needs, he, he knows he can. And I wonder if he has any regret about that. But I wonder where you would have taken it just them being there landing a small imprint where do you go from there if if you were going to make your avatar yeah i mean it's a great question and some of it's kind of unclear and you know apologies to the people that have seen it six times maybe we missed some things but 
I mean, the first thing you raise a good point, Kyle. I think an initial red flag back in the day of trailers for this film was like, oh man, this is going to be some heavy handed environmental message thing. And I just don't want to be preached to type of thing. Like I'm down for the environment, obviously, you know, I'm not some sinister dude, but I don't want to, I, when, when it's, when it's forced upon you and kind of like forced down your throat, it's just a bad look. And I, I don't know why I was getting that kind of energy from the trailers back in the day, but I definitely was. And it kind of is that, I mean, there's a lot of entertainment value there, too. It's not just that, but there's definitely a piece of that that definitely comes through in the final product. I like what you say. I think when they initially come in, and it sort of can almost read this way with what they already have there in the initial 15 minutes, is like they come in and they find this resource, this unobtainium, right? Now, we know already through exposition that they already wiped out the earth they stripped the earth barren now they got to move on to other places and find resources there so they find this lush moon they're kind of exploiting it for its resources they find this unobtainium but maybe they go to these uninhabited parts of the moon first and we get everything there now we find this rich deposit which they mention in the navi's domain underneath this giant tree which is important for them you know this sacred tree there's just all this unobtainium under the ground now we have to delve into parts of this moon that are dangerous not with just the feral creatures but with these tribal peoples these clan of of navi and so now we ramp up the tension and now we're gonna we really previously didn't even need a military presence but now we're moving into other things where this could be potential danger now we're, we could be fighting with these people and we're unapologetically going in and it's a, it's a slash and burn thing we're just destroying everything light it up take what we want get out with minimum casualty you know i could see it going in that direction where it's like we tried to do it all over here but now we need the rest of it hmm. type of a thing which makes sense what was unclear to me though did you get this late into the film i thought the navi were the only people like I, I, I thought the actual the, oh, oh, what are they? Oh, Matakaya people. Yeah, their tribe or whatever. I thought mm -hmm. that specific clan was it. I didn't know there were other tribes. I had no idea. It's when they start convening and sort of um, teaming up to fight the RDF or whatever it is, the RDA or whatever it is, the the humans that I realized, oh, there's other people here too. It's not just the Omatakaya. Oma it's not, there's other tribes, there's other, there's other native peoples. But yeah, it's kind of strange. It's, you, there, it leaves a lot of questions for sure. And it just becomes about, you know, <laughs> it seems like they shuffle off story and then it just becomes about, about, you know, let's show the Banshees. Let's show the, you know, let's show the Navi. Let's show... The, the way they fight, the way they live, this lush vegetation that's very, I don't know, I got a lot of underwater vibes. The tentacles and the tendrils and the iridescent, vibrant colors and the jellyfish-like creatures. Let's show all this kind of stuff that we could, it, it's so exotic, right? It's this other world, this lush vegetation that looks like it's oceanic, you know, oceanic plants and stuff. I felt like there was a thing where it was just like, all right, now you're just showcasing the visual. And the, the story is taking a backseat. But again, like, I'm sure there is a lot of companion fiction and all that sort of thing. But if you're just watching a two and a half hour movie, 
you know, it, you, you are asking, all right, what about this? What about this? That type of thing. And again, I think because it set it, like you said, I think it set it off in a way that was very hopeful. Like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool. You know, I'm down. And then you just kind of lose all of that because it becomes this, I don't know. And, you know, maybe, maybe people dug that, you know, that it just becomes this visual effects demo reel and drops some of the th- drop some of the story. I mean, they kind of keep you hooked in with some of the acting, some of the performances. You have pretty prototypical bad guys and kind of the sinister element going on. And you have man versus nature and nature versus technology and all of these things. But yeah, it just becomes this whirlwind of visuals. And <laughs> it's like, wait a second. I, I, and I, you know, in that sense, I just wonder if I'm too old or if I'm, if I'm just dense. You know, like, am I, am I not getting something? What What's going on here, you know? Look yeah, over here. Look over here. It's like... It's right. Like, ah. It just seemed like it moved very, very fast with a, a lot of showcasing. The, the, it got denser and denser with that the further you got in, which is which is fine. I just... I, I don't mind the, the flora and fauna and all that. I think that's a fun thing to explore. I just think it's, it's vastly overexposed and this movie really lacks pacing that... I think would have really benefited just the tension, the theme, the characters. Like, I don't even know any of these characters. I don't care about any of these characters. I don't know them. You move so fast. And then I wanted to bring up the a big problem, I think, with the story ultimately, and it was one of the last things I wrote in my notes, is that the savior of the this race is a human. It seems as colonial as humanly possible it almost undercuts its anti-colonial anti-industry anti maybe even modern earth or modern modernity as we know it industrialism it all seems undercut by that very fact that the savior is just this dude who's a human and i don't really understand how that's supposed to be uplifting in any way it seems like they're worshiping like this guy, he takes command of one of those amazing birds and he's only like one of the the five people that have ever done it or whatever. And I'm like, so you guys are amped that this human in a fake body that they made in a lab is your savior? And they kind of set you up to begin with. And I don't know, it just didn't really make, the culmination of it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me either. What did you think about that? About the, the, the themes kind of being undercut by the savior prospect that is like at the center of one civilization's superiority to another is often this savior complex and it seems like it's there even in the future even in 2154 or whatever with this human who becomes navi it's very strange it really is and you know it and it really just says really all it is now this this marine this paraplegic marine who's injured and you know he's a young guy and he lost his brother and you know, it elicits some empathy from the from the audience, and I get all that. And the whole dynamic about, you know, he can in this other world when he channels this other self through this scientific technology that developed, he could actually w- use his legs again. And so that would be something for him to really relish. I I get all that, but really, all it's saying about the character, despite his bravery and courage and everything, is that. All it takes is somebody who's actually sympathetic and unselfish, right? Because if the humans went, or went about this a little differently, they might be able to get what they want and also have an ally. But it seems to be saying two things I realized early on. This is kind of channeling 
the origins of America, I think, when people came over and took the land from the Native Americans, right? That's one thing. This is kind of a, this is kind of echoing that story a lot, largely. And the other thing is with this main character, with our protagonist, I think what they're saying is that it only take it, it he's kind of like the buffer between the two groups of people between the humans and between the navi and that really all it took was that sort of liaison between the two and that's who this character who this character is but it begs the question for why did he if he was this sort of marine who can't do what he used to do right he's a young guy who lost the use of his legs why didn't he consider this you know going down this route before his brother died right to take his place and the other thing is it's kind of talking out of two sides of your mouth because the humans develop this technology or this ability in order to i don't know ingratiate themselves with the the domestic people right with the navi in order to sort of earn their trust and then ultimately break it but it also says they had to do this because the atmosphere on pandora is toxic to humans right so is it which one is it is it both i don't mm. understand you know what i mean like i i don't think they're really clear about that there's a little something in there too where it's like yeah they have to do this in order to fool the people but they also kind of have to do this because in order for for us to be down there it's the only way we can't breathe the air we'll die in minutes right and also the low gravity situation and all these other things so it was a little bit it could have been a little more demonstrative one way or the other and i think it could have been a little clearer but it sets up this hero who really unfortunately what it's saying what i feel like it's saying is like isn't this guy amazing look how courageous he is despite the use of his legs like that's the characteristic they're leaving this guy with because really what they're saying anybody could anybody could have done what he did you know what i mean you're kind of playing up that angle and it's it's just i don't know it's a little childish i think you said it right it's a little bit i don't know it's amateur storytelling a little bit you know it doesn't set it doesn't make for the best hero it's a little bit i don't know it's i think i think this movie plays to kids a lot you know it's pg-13 there's some stuff that's a little heavier in terms of the violence although a lot of it's largely off screen a lot of it's kind of cartoonish there's obviously people dying but it happens largely it's not graphic but i think a lot of it's made to appeal to kids and I think that's what we're left as. I think what I'm saying is it's a very one-dimensional hero. It didn't need to be that way. He could have been a more complex character and a more interesting character. Yeah, I'm looking up the rating for the sequel, but I'm not coming Oh, up yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, because it's funny. Uh, there definitely is a shade of the age of discovery and, and the interaction with the Spanish and later other Portuguese and English and whatever, French with the the Indian population here, the native populations here in North and South America. But I actually got even bigger Africa, like scramble for Africa, 19th century post age of discovery vibes in the sense that 
the corporation it's really six of one half dozen of the other but the corporation is was really and i thought this was kind of a clever part of the storytelling was that the rda or whatever this company is is they keep saying and that that giovanni rabisi guy yeah the character rather that he plays not that guy he's obviously in in a well-known actor and, and many other things so no disrespect to him but he says something along the lines of like, we gave them roads and schools and taught them things like what else do they want from us? And that's that's like a post age of discovery, more grounded 19th century or 20th century. What can we do for you to get good PR back home so we can ultimately exploit you regardless of the value of those things and that the people there, the Navi have no value like they don't want anything from that. These people, there's nothing they want from them. And that's really, really interesting. And I, th- I think that that's a cool thing they could have taken advantage of in different ways, too. So I just think slow rolling it and making so because the one thing I was curious about when, when Mike and I were going back and forth, I'm like, when do you think this takes place? Mm. And they I eventually realized it's 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 time stamped many times when they're doing the video segments, the, right. the yes. science yep. research. And all of that, but they say it in, in the movie too. And then we looked it up, and I was like, "Cause I'm like, this strikes me as the 2500s or even later." And she was like, "Oh, it's 2154." And I'm like, "That doesn't. That in and of itself doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me." And as, so, in other words, the time from the very origin of the story, everything's like very truncated and fast. How the fuck did we do all of that in 150 years? Yeah, from when the movie came out to I'm not saying we're not going to have starships and do I'm, I'm sure we're going to do all of those things, but it suggests that we've almost been on that in Pandora itself for decades, if not longer. At that point, there's an establishment. There's this is unobtainium there and all the rest of just seeing everything so fast. It would have been cool if you kept the same time frame, but it was just primitive. You guys have been there for a few years. You're one of the first reinforcements. Everything's kind of been established. Now you got to figure out how to survive frontier kind of philosophies that can go into that. And a lot of people say, well, then the movie's just not for you. And maybe that is the case, because to me, the avatar part of it is stupid. Like it's that that is actually um, an inhibiting agent to, to getting the most out of this film, I think, in some way. And people, again, would say, like, well, that, that, that's what the movie's about. And I'm like, well, fair enough. But why does it? Why is it about? So in all of this time, too, they managed to backwards, you know, gen, make this genetic form in this back of the tank of a creature that then they interface with men. I'm like, this is insane. How did this all happen so quickly? And why is this looked at as the best way to go forward? It would be much cooler, especially with the scale of the characters and the creatures, if they just interacted with each other, you know, from the beginning as that without having to do this intermediary thing where you're sleeping. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I know it's I'm beating up on the film a lot for something I think is just fine, but it is kind of it just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I th- I think you raise a lot of good points, man. It, it's it it's definitely a lot of inception. It's a lot of concepts that anime developed. I mean, was already being developed in anime and manga dating back to the seventies, and we could talk about that a little later if you want to. But and it, I understand it feels too, you know, it's not far flung enough because it feels like we achieved all this stuff over a very short amount of time, and we're already in this era that they feel very situated in. So. I like the idea of combining human DNA with alien DNA, in this case, the Navi, but maybe play up the angle that that's sort of, sort of what the humans have developed as their way in to these other places they need to mine for resources. Like, let's combine our DNA with whatever native DNA is on these, in these other places 
And that's our way of surviving in this place, but also kind of sneakily ingratiating ourselves and kind of pretending to befriend the natives or maybe in some cases fighting more warlike natives or whatever it is in each exclusive case and sort of play up that angle. Like in other words, do the, do, does this evil corporation or in this case branch of the government like a Wayland yutani and aliens where it's just solely about the bottom line? It's about developing the technology, getting the money, fuck whoever's in the way type of thing. But are the humans doing this in other places, right? Or is this a thing that's exclusive to just this place, just Pandora, just the Navi? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. And I love the idea of what you said of these specific people. Like maybe the humans are used to doing this. Like this is their tactic. And this is the way they get what they want from different places. But... With the Navi, it's tough because there's no negotiating with them. As you said, it's such a different lifestyle. They're not reliant on any kind of human technology. There's, they have a complete different set of values. There's nothing that the humans, even futuristic humans, prosperous humans, could offer these people that they would be even remotely interested in. They don't need it. We don't need your earthly education. We don't need your earthly stuff. There's just, you're not welcome here. And so the humans have to develop this thing of like, well, then we're going to take it. And this is the first time we've ever had to deal with that. Where it's not like the Navi are warlike or want to fight, but they just don't want to give up what they have or what's underneath what's important to them. Just go somewhere else and the humans won't. That's interesting because there's no platform for any kind of mediation in this case. There's just, the answer is no. And then how do, how do the humans deal with that? Well, we never had to do this before. Now we got to call in the military. Now we need the mech and the tech and the missiles and the rockets and all this type of thing. I kind of like that too, you know, where it's like play up that angle where it's like, well, what do, what do we do? Is there any way to get to these people without fighting? Explore that. It's, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of different ways you could go. But again, it feels like this clamoring towards, no, we just have to show these people. You know, we have these badass... I don't know, part Native American or tribal humans think Aztec or Mayans or whatever you want to say, right? Maybe even Egyptians. Kind of half that, half elf. That'd be cool. Right? And then this is it. This is what we're going to show. They got blue skin. They kind of have these feral, like feline type features. They look like cats a little bit. They move like cats. They have the agility of cats. They're very in tune with nature. You know, it, it just felt like that's what they were trying to get at. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. The other stuff doesn't matter. You know, you have the the evil corporation led by, in this case, Giovanni Rabisi, you know, in Aliens, it's Burke, right? So you have the same thing. It echoes a lot of what's come before with James Cameron, sort of early James Cameron with Aliens and stuff, and then large scope, we got to do a big Titanic, James Cameron, you know? In a way, I watched, it's interesting because I didn't know we were going to do this, and I watched Titanic recently on a whim. And when you watch that movie, it's not bad. I love Leo. I mean, like, it's a good movie. Like, yeah, it's an I haven't seen it in a year and probably that since the late 90s, but I, I, I remember liking it. Yeah, when... it's good. <laughs> it's, it's a very likable movie in a lot of ways. There's a lot to say about it, but it is that sort of, it's the movie that empowered James Cameron to only do big things and wait large amounts of time between projects. Because once he had that Titanic money, baby, 
that fueled everything to come after. And I would argue that that started, the scope started to get bigger in with True Lies, which was like mid-90s, right? And then it would, that was a sure sign. That was a foreshadowing of like, okay, this is we're going to leave Terminator and the Abyss and Aliens and we're, gonna, we're going off to, you know, box office land <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what this feels like and i again i don't know which james cameron we're getting because you got the purest filmmaking james cameron who seems to be a storyteller and then you have the technological side again which isn't bad but you don't want to do technology at the cost of everything else you right know what i mean that's yeah. not that's just not the way that we've learned that's just not the way to do it we all know this now yeah, I'll just reiterate that I think that the, all the elements are there for something much better than what this movie ends up being because they just think they overcomplicated. I'm not even really crazy about the whole mysticism. It's cool that the Navi call them the sky people and they have their own religion and their own traditions, but that they have this world tree type trope in there and they're using these weird hair tendrils. Like I find that whole hair thing very unsettling. I do not like it. I do not. I, I just find it. It's very weird. It's very strange. Like that is an idea. That's like a George Lucas thing or something where you'd be like, all right, like reel it back in. You're, you don't have to go that far. It doesn't have to be like that. Like you said, it could have been a psychic connection or it could just been something natural. Like the <clears throat> when the conquistadors let horses out into the continent, you know, in South America and then ultimately North America, the Indians weren't communing with them. They fucking rode them bareback. They broke them. You right. know, and that, that's. <laughs> That's super cool in and of itself that these that. guys know how to break an animal without having to do this weird. I just don't understand any of that element, why that shit is necessary here. At the same time, it's it's so everything is to the extreme, as we said earlier, right? That's to the extreme. The human's response. You would think that, though, they're think about it. They're far separated from Earth. They can't communicate in real time with Earth. It would take years for them to talk back and forth. Right. So they have to make all of their decisions in real time. And I get that. And that, that in and of itself is cool and horror laden. Every person you lose, every, every item you lose, every piece of food that's eaten, everything is truncating smaller and smaller as you have to get your shit done here. And that creates a sense of urgency for the humans. And they, but even then, why does it have to be so comic book? Like you would think that they would come there. I know that they're, it, <laughs> I'm like really breaking this movie down. And I don't mean to be so mean to it, but it's just, if if the humans came from an earth that they they destroyed. Yeah, they would. I don't know that they would be so cavalier again. I understand the idea of saying like, well, we fucked up our place. We'll just fuck up whatever and get what we need. But certainly the people in charge of these different endeavors would have a different point of view than just doing it again. It just seems too on the nose villain for villain's sake kind of behavior so like i said they're putting these they're just going to the life tree or whatever in these huge machines it's like why do you have to clear cut your way to the to the life like that doesn't make any sense you're just clear cutting your way from your base to the with huge things that are many 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 times the size of a road that you would need to just bring things back and forth it just doesn't make any like why do you have to go so extra oh you you're attacking the tree again with just ordinance like Dresden style firebomb on this tree. You would think that they would have a curiosity to get that tree intact, right? Wouldn't you? Why? Or you would want to do it without fucking things to. I mean, here's a they throw the gas canisters into the tree, right? It would be cool if that worked and it and they cleared all the Navi out and they escape into the woods and they have that scene where it's like everyone back into the woods and they all run away. And it would be cool if the humans went in there and started to discover 
some of the naturalism or whatever and maybe commune with it a little bit more and see it for what it is. But the gas has irreparably irreparably poisoned the tree. And so the tree ends up dying anyway. And this is great trauma around that, like build it up and make it. It's just everything's so extreme. And I don't know if that's what he in some way. Colonialism is that. But in, the, in another way, when the English landed in the 1500s in Virginia or whatever, they weren't clear cutting. Not that they had the mecha- mechanisms to do that. The Indians were the ones that were doing way more clear cutting than, than, than them. They were just trying to survive in these little spaces and really playing that era uh, or that level of colonialism up, I think, would be would have just been so much more cool. And maybe he felt like that would have been too many shades of aliens, especially. Yeah, but, I, could but see, same, I could see that. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, dude, I don't know. You just you you didn't need all of the, this these steps and this intermingling in the earth fucking time people with the little tendrils and I don't know it's very just, simplistic it's all boiled down to a very simplistic good versus evil you know no gray all black all white thing and I guess you know that's a choice but there are there is a lot of interesting ways you could go with that and also just like the demonstrative or the drastic difference in techno you know technological capabilities when the humans come with these gunships and nukes and all this badass technology and you have a primitive people who are still fighting with spears and bows and arrows and just sort of that reckoning of like oh people exist like this oh people exist like this Mm. it's beyond nature versus technology it even gets into other things of just a learning curve like we didn't need to destroy. We didn't know the gas was going to destroy that tree. Then, you know, just it, it offers up a little more. I guess it gives you a little more dimension, a little more texture and all that sort of thing. I mean, you know who did it really well with just, I don't know, primitive people that lived close to the land that valued their relationship with nature and being in touch with the elements. Tolkien did it with the elves. It was never really explained. You know, these are a man-like humanoid type creature with immortality that really valued their relationship and their proximity to nature, to Middle Earth. And via their sort of values, obtain this power to harness that for magic. Remember when Arwen saves Bilbo, uh, Frodo rather, from the Black Riders? Mm-hmm. Right. And channels that water magic in the river. It's never explained. She's just an elf. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's her pat. That's her power. And it's never this type of thing where it's the source of this power is Rivendell and this thing under Rivendell. It's never done like that. There's a mystique. There's a mystery to it. There's something unexplained. There's, you know, it's magic. It's magic. That's it. You know, and I'm not saying it had to be like that in this case, but. Yeah, it feels like it's really hitting you over the head. But I think a lot of it really does come down to just trying to make it accessible for as wide an audience as possible. Right. You're not you're not trying to do this thing where I don't know, it's not as elegant as the Lord of the Rings. But I do think if you take out little things, it's like the Metachlorians in Star Wars. If you just take that out, if you just take the hair tendril plugging into each other thing out of this, I think it becomes a third better just by taking that out. Like you don't, you didn't need that, mm. you know, something a little more, something a little more, um, I guess elegant really is the right word, you know, whether yep. that's psychic, you know, some, some psychic unexplainable power, some mental link you have 
with the creatures and the and the flora flora and the fauna of this place whatever it is it could have been yeah i just think that's better storytelling and i just think yeah that was really it's it's kind of weird it's one of those things <laughs> like i just think of like even the animators sitting around looking at dailies and and looking at those scenes of like those pipe cleaner things coming out with the with the hair or whatever it's first of all it's gross yeah it's fucking gross and dude. it also plays up i couldn't help thinking about oh that's a that's a penis in a vagina like it's just kind of weird yeah nobody said that yeah it could be beautifully animated but <laughs> who wants to see that yeah I, I i totally agree it's it's interesting in some sense that again that's what one of the cool things about the movie is to imagine another just another ecosystem of separate evolution based on the parameters of the specific planet, the makeup of the atmosphere, the specific gravity of it. Do they ever get into what the gravity of, of the planet is? That's something I asked Mike. I don't know if they ever said it in passing. That's all based on the mass of the object. So Earth's Earth's very specific gravity is not going to be replicated anywhere else. It's going to be off by a little bit, right. even if the planet is about the same size. You can imagine that you would notice if you were on a planet with 5% weirder gravity, you would notice immediately probably. So I, w- I wonder what that would have been like. There's just all sorts of things they could have they could have explained, I guess, but I, I just low I agree. Grav, right? It was low gravity, so that hence the the size of these people. They're ten feet tall. It yeah, they're growing enable. larger because of the lower gravity, presumably. Right. And yeah. the native plants, that, you know, could all grow. They're all everything could grow larger there. The 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 creatures, the plants, because of that low gravity. That's a great atmosphere. That's a great environment for things it to does, grow it doesn't larger. read like that though it doesn't read like a, any different atmosphere than the earth i mean that's a huge aesthetic really miss in the movie it doesn't look any different they you i don't know how they would have done it maybe you can like overcrank the footage or something and make or make i don't know but they don't move differently no nope so that doesn't really make any sense yeah that's weird that is strange and 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 i guess unless i'm misreading i think that was the intent you know that's why everything's bigger here that's why everything that's why it's so not only the toxic air and atmosphere but that's why everything this is not really a place for humans this is almost like going back to the land of dinosaurs also with people tribal peoples that also don't want you there it's like going back to the land of dinosaurs also with vicious cavemen <laughs> you know what i mean this yeah, is exactly. not a place for it's, you and, it, and it's cool i mean i love the vision of this this foreign ecosystem the the bioluminescence and the huge like you said the huge flora especially the hammerhead creature there's a lot of cool stuff. Oh, t- just to for imagine sure. just I mean, think about Earth's evolution and all their remarkable creatures that we have. These are all basically mistakes that end up working within their niche such that they flourish. And so why wouldn't that happen somewhere else? I mean, we even know on Earth that vision has been arrived at evolutionarily separately on separate occasions. So you would imagine things like this are probably common with whatever mother nature, whatever mechanisms and levers mother nature's pulling at it's very interesting so i i do like that element of the the but again like the gravity you see again it's so complicated it doesn't need to be that complicated we have giant trees on the earth you know you don't you don't need to what would have been interesting about this moon pandora around this gas giant alpha centauri is wow this is really earth-like <laughs> why does it have to be so complicated we found another earth yeah, like we found basically a planet that, and they could have explained it. it's 97% the math of mass of Earth and it's it the but the trees cycle nitrogen into whatever, you know, fucking ammonia or whatever it could be. And which is possible. I think I think Titan has ammonia rain, right? And stuff like that. The oh, that's cool. I didn't know yeah. that. 
So and there's like rivers of whatever methane and like that, that's cool. Like that's real. But I don't know, make you be like the, the, it's somehow the same size and it's around a gas giant. By, by the way, by the way, the gas giant would just be emitting massive amounts of radiation. So you would have to explain that as well. Yeah, that thing is huge. And it's so, again, the visual of it is dope. Love, uh, it. You, Love it. And I would have liked to have known more about. And again, it could have been during times where I was phasing out for a minute at a time, getting bored with it. But I don't think so. Where that like, happens. What, what is your religion or what do you guys say about this thing in the sky and the moons and what? But it's very cool. But we know from Jupiter and Saturn that you have, if you're that close to, the, to these things, you're going to fried. So you have to kind of explain that stuff as well. It's cool, though. It's it's all dope. I all and it doesn't all have to be realistic, but I think that he just it's like they're on the goal line in a football in football and they're running like a 25 yard Play. It's like that doesn't even make any sense. Like you don't need to just run the ball right down the middle. <laughs> you do it more than you, you just need, need to. one yard. Just run the ball down the middle. You don't need to do some sort of elaborate play here. And that's, I think, the frustrating part about it is like the setup. It's all good. You just. The avatar thing I'm not into. I'm just not into the fucking like we said, the tendril thing. I'm not into the I don't know, man. There's I feel just like I'm really being school. mean in the movie. I don't mean to be. I just didn't. No, no. I, just I, mean, was, I, I didn't think it was bad. I just I, again, it's just. It no, fine. it's not bad. It's no. definitely not bad. It's just the and and again, like definitely relieved and pleased that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Definitely more entertaining and definitely more watchable than I thought it was going to be. Just like kind of a headache. I and I again, it's kind of inexplicable. I don't even know why I felt that way necessarily. Bits and pieces, but it has this old school sci-fi philosophy of I think you you summed it up really well like, oh, we can make it earth-like. But there's this thing of, well, we've already done giant sycamores and redwoods in CG. Like, we need to do something more exotic. We need to make it look like an alien world. You know, like, I always think of 1950s sci-fi. Like, the right. plants look like octopus tentacles and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything. It's almost like the Jetsons, like that crazy. Like, everything has a ring around it. Like, it doesn't need to be that way. Sometimes sci-fi could be more grounded. And not everything is cyberpunk. Like, I get it. You know, I have a, I definitely have a bias when it comes to fl- science fiction flavors. But yeah, it's it would be refreshing to see that sophistication. But it is, especially 15 years ago almost, it is kind of hard to think that you're not just trying to show something that looks different than what, you know, something that looks unexpected, something that looks completely unearth-like, you know, and that's the bent that's the whole conceit is like, no, it looks like underwater, but above ground. Isn't that crazy? There's pink plants and iridescent purple trees and shit. And you I know, do jellyfish like they're, floating they're, they're stepping on the moss and it's like lighting up and all that. Yeah. It's like, there's some cool things. Oh, I just, it's so it's cool, but it's a, but it's, it's again. Yeah, it's way. It's just so much have instead of and they do. They have like ferns and they have pine trees and all these kinds of things. You don't have to. I don't know. I, I one thing I do like about the movie a lot is the aesthetic of the humans, the human gear, the human helicopters mm. and gunships and missile launchers and the mechs that they use. So the mechs, I was like, I wonder if Respawn was inspired for by this for Titanfall because it's so similar in some way to that. Although the and I'm, I don't think humans riding mechs is the Titanfall didn't invent that or Avatar, but just the way it looks to me like this specific, it's not Japanese at all. It doesn't, it's like the cool thing with like the, 
the the AR visuals of the guy like actually holding the gun and using his arms and acting as if like when he's shooting. It's super cool. I, I think that that is dope. I love that. I love the the helicopter gunships. Uh, what's her name? Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. The pilot. Not Micah had brought up. God, it's like the same character in everything, whether it's Lost or <laughs> or fucking Fast and Furious. or th- It's like everything is the same character. She's hilarious. No, literally no range as far as I can tell, but that's fine. She does smile it, in this. Yeah, that's yeah, refreshing. Like, yeah, it's it's but it's just like the gum chomping fucking yeah. badass. Girl, it's yeah. like, all right, man. Like, <laughs> OK, so she's in it. That's fine. And I love the, the huge gunships. I mean, this it gives me mega G.I. Joe vibes, the, the different vehicles and the a game I really love from Platinum called Vanquish. It also reminded me a lot of that. I just I think that that whole aesthetic and all of that was very well done. And that, that's see, that's the cool part of the movie to me is unfortunately is the more villainous humans and their use of technologies, which really could have been the focus. And of, of course, you need the alien Navi. And I should say, Dig, as far as the Navi are concerned, I don't hate the designs. I find them unsettling, but it's an alien creature. And like you said, you adjust to it over time. I do appreciate that they went out of their way not to make them like gray aliens or just weird, scary fucking Mass Effect Reapers or something. You know, yeah. they, they made them normal or some sort of feline thing, suggesting, I guess, that that would be a, a common clade or whatever in in exobiology. So the aesthetic's pretty cool. But I was curious what you thought about the human aesthetic. I loved those gunships and all the different uh-huh. missile launchers and all the different guns it was dope. Loved so it. cool. And it reflected a lot of what you saw from the visuals and aliens. And I don't know if that's down to Stan Winston and their visual development sort of conceptual influence. But it really like when you see those you know, the human aircraft, it feels like the bug stomper dropship from aliens, like really kind of echoes futuristic, but still sort of grounded in what we already know, whether that's down to like the olive green, like the army green color of things, or, you know, the illustrations on the side of the ship or the notches, it just, it looks, there's a definite, definitely like a fixed aesthetic to it. That's really cool. It just looks really pleasing. It looks futuristic, but Sort sort of badass and kind of believable. The spaceships too, like it just looked like an evolution, a pretty drastic evolution of the space shuttles. But you know, kind of kind of looks like an extension of what you think we might have, you know, 150 ish years from now, which was kind of cool. I I I like the design in this film from soup to nuts. I think it was all really cool as far as the tech, as far as the mech. Sometimes I'm a little sort of. I don't know. I could be a little harsh if I'm criticizing the mech because I just always go back. My my sort of flashpoint for a lot of science fiction is anime. And I was into it when I was a little kid. And I just think the Japanese anime and manga versions of mech, mechanical suits, robots, whatever you want to say, is so much more advanced and so much more elegant. If I think about something like, let's say... Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? Like if I think of Evangelion, which came before this movie, by the way, like they were already doing such elegant things with mech suits and robot suits that were fast and agile and elegant and had a very streamlined design aesthetic. And then I think, but there also is sort of an American mech flavor. I think of things like Pacific Rim, which is a little more like this, a little more chunky, a little more blocky, a little more believable, a little bit of something that anime might have been doing in the 60s, but it has a very Western 
flavor to it. Like if it was more, if the humans showed up in this movie in things that were more modern or contemporary, like a, like a mobile suit, like a Gundam, right? It would just look weird. It's, it doesn't fit the level of technology. Hmm. So sometimes I got to slow my roll with that and just be like, all right, like I understand this is kind of like the chunky, funky version of a mech, but it is more believable. It actually calls up the loader, right? Like the loader from aliens Hmm. that she uses at the end to battle the queen. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. And not just the tech and the mech and the aircraft and, and the guns and all that kind of thing, which again, really echoed, I think an extension of what we saw in aliens, which was so ahead of its time, man, it just was, which is so cool. But also, you know, the creature design, I thought of final fantasy a couple of times in this, watching this movie, you know, you have the sixth, every, it seemed like every creature, every wild creature had six legs. Right. And I automatically think of Final Fantasy did that first with Odin's horse. Remember Odin's horse had mm-hmm. the two front legs, sort of this alien beast, something that was a little off-worldly. I kind of like that. But consistency, like their version of a zebra and their version of a meerkat all had six appendages. That was really cool. And just kind of like their dragons, the banshee, I thought, you know, has multiple wings. Sometimes I have a couple of sets of eyes. It reminded me of Bahamut. You know, it's like, oh, that's pretty mm. cool. It looks like a dragon, but you could see the raptor influence. There's some dinosaur, maybe a little Godzilla kaiju thing. It's all blended together. Really thoughtful designs as far as the creature. And the Navi, they grew on me, man. I, I understand the philosophy with, at first it's a little off-putting because you get a lot of the human characteristics through the mocap. And it wasn't a purely animated thing. They channel a lot of the human actor's performance into the CG version. And this was one of the first times we're really getting that. Maybe the first time we're getting that in a feature film. And at first it's a little weird because you're seeing a lot of that nuance of the actual performance come through the CG version, the CG standee. But it's after a while you get acclimated to it. And I like the kind of philosophy of we have to make these humanoid human-like creatures. So we're going to borrow from Robotech, who did this with the Zentradi in the early 80s, where it's like they're they're humanoid, but they're much larger than humans. But essentially, they look like humans. And we're also going to do it like, what's the... We're not going to make them unappealing. Like, what's, what's something to integrate into this design to make a human say, oh, I wish I looked like that, you know? And then the cat-like features, the big eyes... And that specific face, you know, the facial proportions and everything, they're strangely attractive in that they're exotic. And you could see a human being, oh, I wish I looked like that. You know, it's kind of like the best version of a cat and a person, you know, and it's not some weird, doesn't come across as some weird furry cosplay thing. Right. They, they sort of toe the line and they make it work. But it, uh, it is a little weird to get used to. And again, it operates much better in feature film format with the story context than just watching clips of it. I, ju- I just thought the clips of it 15, 12, 15 years ago were so off-putting. I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't understand what this is. And the fact that they kind of, at least the one guy, our hero, is kind of that thing somehow makes it better too because it's kind of like he's part human and part Navi. You don't get that from a trailer. So again, the story context does help with that. But they grew on me. I I was worried about that too. And at first it's like, oh, it's weird. And 
she's doing a weird thing too where she's kind of growling like a like a like a rabid animal and you know baring her teeth and stuff and yeah, I'm she's like, like hissing yeah. it's weird i don't know let me work let's work up into it you know but after a while you get acclimated do you have any performances you want to call out in this i had i think one of my major for like high-end problems with this movie is just i don't i didn't connect with any of the characters i just didn't really care very much about any of them we get it we know who the good guys and the bad guys are and the tensions that exist there like i thought but things again move so suddenly like he's suddenly you know jake sully is suddenly calling that guy brother like he just comes back like he banged the girl over in the woods and he just come back and just starts calling it's like damn where is any of the exposition how is this movie so long and you guys don't take any time to talk it through so i just i don't know i, I, I don't, I don't feel like I, right What'd you say? I would be mad if I was that oh, warrior yeah. captain. Like you're coming in here, you're kind of taking all the glory and you're stealing the girl. Like I understood that guy's perspective. You're banging my sister. He was pissed. <laughs> so what, what do you have anything? I, I have nothing really to say about any of the characters. I got to be totally honest with you. I, I just that's not what's interesting well, to me about I, this film at all. I do understand that, though. They're, they're very one dimensional. They serve a purpose. It's very surface level. Again, it's very black and white. I like what you said early on about vanilla you know it's vanilla bean at best but you know who what character was interesting for me the main character i didn't recognize him i know he's been in other stuff i think he was in clash of the titans remake sam worthington sam yeah. worthington hacksaw ridge which i definitely saw but didn't remember him from yeah that, i don't know what he plays in that that movie was it must be a smaller part yeah i don't remember but right? that movie was remarkable i thought that movie was remarkable when i saw it i love that oh movie. that's a great that's a great movie i mean that's that's mel gibson right that's mel so yeah, Jack Glover. So he's an important character. I don't. I have I don't to go remember. back and yeah, look I don't at that. Either. And I never I saw really Terminator Salvation either, which maybe we'll do someday for mm -hmm. for knockback and extending our Terminator series. But you know what was cool about him? I couldn't help but see like he felt like a sort of a mashup of like a slightly less silly or goofy Chris Pratt and a slightly less handsome Chris Evans. You know, he seemed like part Star-Lord, part mm. Captain America, mm. but kind of a, a version blending of those two to me, like a regular guy version of those two, like a lower rent version. But yeah, it I'm looking at him. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. It kind of worked, though, because you know what was cool about it? I, the fact that I didn't recognize him from other roles kind of... It, it, it preserved the illusion for me. He wasn't, I wasn't thinking about him as somebody else. And I thought he did a really good job. And then when I found out he was Australian, you know, he's a native Australian. I was like, wow, he, cause I could never, dude, I could never do what these guys do with affecting an accent. That's not native to me. That would be whether it was English, Australian or otherwise, I could never do it. So I give him a lot of props. He was I think he was good. Again, I think he operates as a good regular guy, someone you could just get behind. And I, you know, the type of thing was interesting too with making him this injured, you know, this paraplegic. And I like, they didn't really explore this or they didn't really give it too much more exposition. But the fact of like, we're so far into the future now where it's hinted at that humans could fix this. Like if you have a spinal injury of this degree, it could be fixed for the right price it's very expensive so in order to do you know by doing this in turn they were going to fix his legs which is kind of neat you know i've yeah, very and it plays up the capitalism run amok kind of stuff which is cool yeah. yeah and it's you know they don't they don't go too crazy with it and it doesn't ever ever happen because he ends up staying there and he has the use of his legs anyway because he's becoming this other thing or staying in this other place but 
that was interesting. And the other guy that was probably the most interesting to me was the maybe friend, maybe foe character that Miles, Colonel Miles Quaritch. Yeah, he, he was cool. I loved his his um, digital camo. Very 80s. I loved it. Reminds me of the G.I. Joe recoil. But I, yeah, I loved I loved his the aesthetic. pixel camo. Yeah, the pixel. Yeah, the pixel camo with the. Uh, and I love that scene where he like jump. He's shooting the machine. He just walks out into the toxic air and just starts shooting the machine guns. Fucking dope. And then takes out his pistol and starts shooting him. The guy comes out with his mask. That was a cool. That was probably one of my favorite scenes, actually. And they do a the thing, movie. too, where, where like that character, the colonel and the Sigour- Sigourney Weaver character, the doctor, Dr. Grace, they don't in the beginning, they do that sleight of hand where it's like, which one's going to be the villain? I don't know. You know, one's the military. She's kind of got the chip on her shoulder and he's nice at first. and Then it flip flops, which is, you know, I know that's kind of become like a trope in movies, but I kind of like when they do that. And Mm -hmm. he just felt like a cartoony villain to me, like that military tough. He's got the giant facial anime scar, you know, had that. I know James Cameron's a big anime dude, so I know he's looking at things like that. He incorporates things like that, which I appreciate. And, you know, he, he's just the type that thinks with his gun. And, you know, there's that moment where he's literally on fire in this at the end. And he doesn't even bother to douse himself off. He just gets in his mech. He's still on fire. Then he realizes, all right, I better, I better put myself out. You know, that type of thing. I like cartoony shit like that. You know, that's just fun. And Sigourney Weaver, man, what can you say? She's just, she's a, she'll always be Ripley for me. I know Ghostbusters came first. I get it. But... You know, Alien and Aliens. Come on, man. It's she's she I just every time I see her, I just think of like, OK, that that's Ripley. That's just another, another version of Ripley. That's how I'm thinking of her. Wait, what mm-hmm. do you mean Ghostbusters came first? Alien is older than Alien came first, but Aliens, but aliens came after oh, yeah, Ghostbusters. After. Right? Yeah. Aliens would be alien, eight, what is it? 86? Aliens, I think. Something like that. Yeah. The Aliens and Aliens and Ghostbusters was pretty close, though. Yeah, eighty. What was it? Ghostbusters eighty five, right, or eighty four? And 84, then Aliens, I, I think, think, is eighty six. Yeah, I think, something it was like that. pretty close. They came within a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah eighty six, right. But you know that, that it's always good to see her. And then Giovanni Ribisi, man, I don't. There's something about him. I don't get enough of him. I know he does more TV, and I'm not in tune with his TV. It's the Sneaky Pete, right? He's on that that show. There's something really weird about him. I mean, he plays kind of the one dimensional, greedy unsympathetic villain right it's the bottom line at the cost of everything else but yeah, he, he plays the- he plays seth davis in one of my very favorite movies actually from my childhood which is boiler room long island's oh, own boiler room i gotta watch Where, that again you bring that up that sometimes that was one of my first dvds i love that movie that was like a classic long island movie with like kids my age because it took place there and he was like a, you know, he remember he was like a, a shady stockbroker. Yeah, I remember that movie. That. And, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. who else is in that? Uh, Vin Diesel is in that. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Is yes. Ben Affleck has that awesome scene that I love where he throws his key, walks into the table and throws his keys on the, or throw, walks in the room, throws his keys on the table. He's like, and he goes. You and have shit. that. Yeah, the Ben. That's early. That's pretty early. Ben Affleck too. And he says, anyone who says he says something like, uh, people who make fun of not having any money, never had any or something, something like that, or pretend that it doesn't matter. Doesn't never had any, which is an amazing line. So yeah, I, I, that's what I, I will, I will always see him through that. And I thought the casting of that other guy, do I have it in here? His, let me see the other, the other avatar guy that was going with him, like the nerdy, nerdier dude. Oh yeah. The, um, what's his name? Uh, I can't find him hold here. Hold on. I got it here. Notes. Let me see. Is it no, Norm Spellman? Oh yeah, Joe, yeah, Joel David Moore. Yeah, yep. And 
Micah made a good point, and I, I realized it too. He's that's JP from Grandma's Boy, so that's <laughs> that's how I'll, what I'll always see him as. But what I thought was really interesting about that was he must have been cast in, in this role like around the time Grandma's Boy came out, and so it's funny that oh, he that was just sense. he's just a random actor that ended up in this, and uh, he was a little distracting to me just because that that voice is yeah. JP, but it was fine. I mean, he was fine. He's I don't, a little I don't know. out of place. You know, he reminds me of. This is weird, and again, I don't even know how to explain. It's a little inexplicable, so I'm sorry, but he just reminds me of Matthew Lillard, like the guy who plays Shaggy in the live-action Scooby-Doo. Right, I don't right, know right. what it is. Yeah, I can see that. I think about. I knew you were going to bring up Grandma's Boy. I didn't remember him from that oddly, and we we did that. Yeah, uh, he plays like the, the nerdy programmer. That's you know? right. I remembered him from Dodgeball. Yeah, he's Vince in Dodgeball Vons. as well, which is before that even. Yeah. Yeah. But he's great. But you know what's weird about Giovanni Ribisi? I realize this. He's in Lost in Translation, which is probably top 50 movies for me. And he plays like the Spike Jones character in that, who's supposed to be Spike Jones. And I'll, I'll always love him for that. And of course, he's in Saving Private Ryan, too. He plays Doc. But he does this weird thing, man, that I realized in this movie. If you guys watch him in any performance, just check this out and, and see what I'm talking about. He low key choose the scenery in such a restrained like half-lidded way i've never seen it before because usually when you think of somebody choose chewing the scenery you think of like somebody who's more dynamic and physical like pacino right or kevin spacey or somebody who really mel gibson's a great example he could really do especially in his lethal weapon role it's a like, horse blanket <laughs> Yeah, the Patriots a great example, actually. You know, it's somebody who's just like all eyes on him. It's not even like, it's not even maybe necessarily intentional. It's just the way they are. They just have this magnetism, right? He does it in this understated way, Giovanni Rubisi. That's so strange. Like he plays such a great slime ball because it seems like he's, but it's not with the usual effort you're used to seeing somebody chew the scenery right he does it in this really does it with his face he mm -hmm. just plays like a really great cocky you know somebody who's just completely out for self like an out and out unsympathetic villain that's what he feels like to me mm -hmm. so he was well cast. he's he's a guy i would like to see more i just think he has a great range and he just he's one of those actors who you just you don't see a lot you know i just feel like i don't see him enough so the cast, you know, the cast was good. And, and again, like working these various actors and actresses into their mocap proxy was really new. That was a really new thing for 2009 because usually, typically it would be a complete CG thing, like something we would see from back then or even later in a video game, right? But there's in no way that, but they really, there's the human part of that golf ball suit green screen and all gets lost to the cg version but in this it's it's integrated somehow they integrate it you know whether that's weta or the technology that they had to develop and put off for 15 years but it's really interesting and i think there's a lot less uncanny valley than i was expecting they do a relatively good job with it you could see some things are, are a little jerky and not as fluid as maybe they could be but there's uh it was definitely way ahead of its time and i think it holds up pretty well still i'm interested yeah, I mean, in seeing the second one and how it's evolved visually 
from being only a year ago. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, to see the second one just to see how it looks as well. That's why I was interested in looking at the trailer because I couldn't care less when that thing was announced. I didn't watch anything about it. But yeah, the, the look, the aesthetic is not not a problem I have with, with the movie. I think they did a pretty nice job. The compositing is really good when they do composite. A lot of it is Jar Jar Binks like in the, you know, filming him with the, the golf balls, like you said. And I think that they were even showing off a little bit with some of the, the lighting and shadowing that they were able to kind of accomplish. But just imagine the rendering of this movie. I mean, I can't even imagine how long it took and the processing power that it took to bake all this thing down. And I'm sure it's even more complicated now, but I think that it holds up fairly well. There are parts of it that look totally fake and totally dumb, but generally speaking, it looks really strong actually for, for the time period. And it was very expensive. You can't do this stuff. The only thing that's going to look better than this now, are obviously the newer CG stuff, but also just doing it practically, but you can't do a lot of this stuff that you're trying to do practically put people in suits and stuff like that. I just don't think it's you. Maybe you could. I mean, Star Wars does that pretty convincingly or did, but I don't know. It would look kind of silly, especially if you want to do the scale you would need a bunch of Peter Mayhew type dudes running around in these suits and all of that. And I just don't, I don't think that would, that would with, you know, even taller heads above them and they would see through the chest or some shit. I don't know. It would look dumb. So I think that they, they did the best they could. I just, I'm curious to know what the the, the mainline vision is through this and how five movies, if they're all move that fast, you're telling like fucking eon of stories. I'm reading, by the way, the Wikipedia for the fictional universe of Avatar. Okay. And it says, in the film, Pandora is depicted as being located in the Alpha Centauri A system. It is one of many natural satellites orbiting the gas giant Polyphemus, named for the Polyphemus of Greek mythology. Pandora's atmosphere is a mix of nitrogen, oxygen, carbon dioxide, so that's like ours, xenon, methane, ammonia, and hydrogen sulfide, the latter three which are unbreathable for humans, who wear exopacks when outside the buildings or vehicles. The atmosphere of Pandora does have enough oxygen for humans, but too much carbon dioxide. The Navi have special organs similar to kidneys, that take advantage of this atmosphere to extract greater amounts of oxygen for their bloodstream. So there's a bunch of shit, I guess, that comes from the books or whatever. Yes, and, that's another yeah. that's another aspect that we didn't talk about. The you know just borrowing or of course you know heavily leaning on the books. You know, the and eighty percent of Earth's mass, so 0.8 okay, Earth gravity, which isn't reflected in anyone's movements. So that's kind of lost on me. That that seems to be a weird thing. But it, like you said, it allows everything to grow larger. You know what's weird too, Kyle? Something they do, I don't know if it bothered you, but it, it sort of bugged me just from an unappealing angle. And again, playing up that sort of oceanic, underwater, above water thing, a lot of the creatures had like these gill-like slits in them, like they had like holes in them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just think is gross. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of it, it's, it is a little gross. I but don't that's... need to see, like it's like, that. I understand what you're doing there and maybe it's not supposed to be necessarily appealing but probably be less appealing if i could not see inside the creature with all these various gills and holes it works under the ocean because we don't have to look at that shit kills and holes (laughs) (laughs) when it's crawling around with us it's just like i wouldn't have made that i wouldn't have made that design choice so some of the creatures are super cool you know i i like again what they did where they took sort of an earth-like approximation and just made it a little more alien you had like the armored panther type creature i had the names written down somewhere you know you had that giant sort of hammerhead rhino yeah beetle that thing. I, I liked that a lot like that was super met. cool yeah it was cool it was very dinosaur like yeah very dinosaur like yeah. very triceratops whatever you stegosaurus whatever you think about with that you know type of thing so the creatures 
And the Banshees, again, calling up Bahamut and these exotic-looking wyverns or dragons or whatever, making it kaiju like you know, look kind of like a mm-hmm. like a cinematic Pokemon. You know, it's kind of kind of cute, kind of fearsome. I I definitely dug that. So there's there's a lot. There's really a lot to like here. I do wonder in seeing certain actors and stuff signed on for the coming movies where they're going to go with things. You know, it is interesting. And also, I think over a timeline of close to another 10 years for all five, right? I think five yeah, is slated for 31 or something. Yeah, it's like so crazy. The, it, it'll come before we know it, though, I guess the next eight years, if, if they go quickly, who knows? But why so long? I, I hope that the Navi invade the Earth. <laughs> I hope that they discover technology. And the fifth movie is about them invading and, and destroying what's left of the Earth. And that's how it all wraps up. You know what's interesting, too? Like, we're mining for this unobtainium, this basically this rock, right? This element, this substance, where it's not like this interstellar type thing where it's like, we, don't, we can't grow food on the Earth anymore. There's no more corn. But we found this thing that's edible on this planet, so let's get that so people can still eat. It's like, they're, they're mining this thing for money. Like, what are they doing for food on Earth? That's another thing that begs a question of, how are they eating? Well, this eating goes rocks. back. To, this goes back to the Wikipedia article, which, is, and again, this is so. This all this stuff is so cool. They they could explore all this stuff. In the Avatar universe, humans have achieved a very technologically advanced post-industrial society ruled and dominated by powerful corporations and industry. One of Earth's most powerful corporations is the Globally Integrated Resources Development Administration, a public company which evolved from a Silicon Valley startup that owns all resource, resources off Earth. The Interplanetary Commerce Administration granted these sole rights to the RDA under the stipulation that it, that the use of weapons of mass destruction is prohibited. So, like, there's all this cool shit. Like, that like, is cool. You spend three hours in this goddamn movie. Maybe tell us some of this. Yeah, give us some of that Bible, man. Instead I of fucking, this. instead of having tentacle sex with animals, <laughs> connecting to each other telepathically, and it doesn't even feel good. I don't think. Maybe it does. That would be even weirder. Maybe it's better that they. Never mind. It says technologically, humans have achieved monumental advancements by 2154 interplanetary and interstellar space travel and colonization, virtual 3D printing and holography mapping and advanced methods of cryonics and psionics are employed using their capability of advanced genetic engineering. Humans develop avatar hybrid bodies that genetically distinct modified human DNA, blah, blah, blah. Through psionics, genetically matched humans are then mind linked to these avatars. So like they they could get more into the science of it. And all of this. And there's like all this writing about all the human machines and shit. I like, like that they have all that all background this. and texture and this, you know, all that world building. But give us some of that, man. That's fun stuff. Yeah, me too. That's the that's the good stuff. That's the meat. But anyway, that's all I have to say about this movie. I have nothing else to say. about. Do you, <laughs> do you have anything else you'd like to end on? Well, I understand why you wanted to do it. I really ultimately thought of this as like part Lord of the Rings, part sci-fi anime. And in that anime thing, I would say like part Ghibli and part Shiro, you know, Ghibli for the organic earth stuff, Shiro for the tech, you know, and again, shout out to Masamune Shiro and part French comic book, like something like something Mobius would do. Like that's what it felt like a live action version of something like Jean Girard would give us. But I don't know, like I think. For me, a lot of it could have been better. I know you're taking a little out of column B at column A with the story and a little bit of column B with the technology. But again, like you have all you have this badass Wikipedia page with that Bible and all that info in there. 
that's the kind of I think that's the kind of stuff that's cool. You know, give us a little more bedrock underneath all these crazy weta effects, you know, visual effects. And it's it's weird too, like the evergreen nature again, half evergreen and half indifferent nature of Avatar is interesting. Like why so long between I don't it, here's the weird thing. It's weird that you wait so long between the first movie and the second movie. But what's even stranger is that there's going to be three more after that. You know, what? I I really am genuinely curious of what the second one looks like. Because was that sort of a holding period while they could while they felt the technology was catching up to now what they wanted to do with the sequel film? And I, again, I'm uninformed when it comes to that, but I'm genuinely curious because waiting for such a lucrative franchise, especially for such a long period of time, is very rare. And then to follow up in relatively quick succession with the next three after that is a very, very peculiar rhythm for a franchise. And we, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. So... And we talk about a lot of franchises on this show, my friend. Yeah, it's so. all been filmed, right? Now they're just working on the... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All, all the time they're going to take to do all the special effects. I think, as far as I know, the kind of military officer character in the second one is Carmela Soprano. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very um, interesting. I saw images and video of that for sure. So she's in there somewhere. She's great. In like some sort of military getup, which is cool. Yeah, she's awesome. So, yeah, that's uh, Avatar 2009's Avatar. I rented it on Amazon Prime. I thought I had Apple TV or whatever, or Apple, whatever it's called. And it, and it said it was on there, but then you still had to rent it. Oh, that's so right. I didn't really understand that. So maybe something. No was... Disney Plus for you? They're all on I Disney. don't have Disney Plus, no. Okay. That. Although I have to get ESPN Plus for hockey this year. And so I was thinking about doing maybe up. the Hulu, ESPN, yeah. Disney thing if it was cheaper. But I don't. Re- there's nothing on Disney I want to watch. So I don't really care you're not going to start that. in on star wars no oh my god no <laughs> i'm more done with star wars than i've ever been with star every day that passes is a day i'm more done with it than the previous day i think but we I need the you. time we need the time to elapse now we need the refresh the, right. we talk about resetting this is a good time to reset Indeed. i feel like i don't know if they will i don't think they are going to do that no but. i don't think they can afford it to be honest Dave, let's end with a dad joke. Okay. I got my cards out here. I got my dad joke cards. You want to see? That reminds of my three, my three sons. Remember the intro of my three sons? Yeah. All right, my friend. <laughs> All right. <laughs> did I ever read this one? Kyle, why did the man name his dogs Rolex and Timex? I don't know. Because they were watchdogs. Oh, ah, that's a good one. No, you never, you never read that one. All right, no, I don't, I don't recognize that one. Yeah, that's a good nice one. senile old ass. All right, my friend. Well, have a good rest of your day. Thanks for your time. Super fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was me. good to watch this and check this off the the list of things that I probably should know. So culturally, culturally relevant, but surprisingly not culturally relevant, but still <laughs> culturally relevant. Avatar. I wonder what the percentage of people that are going to listen to this watched it. I, I'm imagining like a ninety percent. Yeah, I would imagine most this. people, it seems like, every, I mean, everyone's just the numbers suggest that it's a movie that's been widely digested by people, right? Exactly. So, so we'll see. We're late to the party, but that we always are on knockback. That's the idea. <laughs> that's how we do it. Yeah.
So, Dig, thank you for your time. Appreciate you. Thank and, you. And uh, thank you all out there for your love, kindness, and support of all things Last Day Media. We couldn't do it without you over on Patreon, patreon.com slash lastdaymedia, lastdaymedia.store for merch. You know the drill. We'll see you next time. Until then, goodbye. Knockback, a retro and nostalgia podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and the Philadelphia suburbs, USA. The show was conceived by and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Dagan Moriarty. Knockback's executive producer is Dustin Furman and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. William Holbert, Ross Marenko, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, SL the FMA, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Malachi Wall, Dave Cowell, Donald John Vader, Stephen Innerfield, Kyle Johnson, Enucleator, Daniel Beresford, Brian Williamson, Jorge Padua, Vance Cody, Rallo, Mr. Ayub, Casey Raymond, Denny Sniperteeth, Extian, Magic Marker 215, Adam Tabiat, Jordan Vallett, Ross R. Lowe, Kevin Hawley, Hugo Delaguia, Austin Lipka, Paul Warren, Harold Eustache, Will Williams, Dino Roar, Nichols Renaud, Shane Breck, Sean Llewellyn, Michael Mashed Potato, Sweaty Magic, Nate Izod, Hargeet Chani, Ellis, Albion, Josh Sullinger, Andrew Roman, Jacob Donovan, Dark Archer SC, My Name is Mayo, Jason Arzan, Sean Hatfield, Christopher Knock, Ryan Daly, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Steve Stompy, Sorta Serious Gaming, Mark Arnold, Whiskey Sin, Zia Parrick, Sean Miles, Relentless Rex, Alan Tuniak, Dustin Klingman, Christian R., Jad Rita, Patrick Skipper, Jacob Hancock, Luke Aldersley, Dustin Graff, Zach Cohen, Peyton Stone, Fox. Bear, Michael Buffel, Dan Root, Asak Paredes, Talisman, Christopher Morgan, Randall Halsey, Dio or Die, T-Bone 007, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Betty Ann Moriarty, Travis, Joe, Ross Chandler, H-Trons, Antonio C, Ryan, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Theo, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale, Of Fortuna, John Zile, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Alex Lapierre, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Kendrick Caius, Jimmy Rodriguez, Rockin' Ace, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Adam Hall, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Anthony Marola, Sagib Alam, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Toby Ryland, Stewie108, Andy Miller, Patrick Montgomery, Richter86, Derek Wechter, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Joel Holcomb, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Jonathan Coates, Logan Sharp, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chand, Organic Produce, Carlos Algrit, Mike Menzel, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Jush, Martin Beck, Jerome Jerome Ferreira, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, John Schultz, Tom Quinn, Anton Kay, Alan Tremblay, Ryan T. Mandel, Pork and Beans, Jean-Francois Forzi, Tony Zuniga, Robbie Hensley, Shane Miller, Alex Cabrera, Corey Dustin, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vazquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Bo, Jorge Pal, Cannonball Jones, Thomas Sablin, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alexander Scott, Scott Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gontoliger, Alex Monez, Gerald Pennington, Justin Payne, Justin Wagaman, Austin Riley, Paul Joyce, Alan Hopkins, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Don Lee, John Cordero, Ashley Carlson, Marius Garson-Peterson, Tyler Harris, Kyle Martin, Madmock Media, Bull Burkholz, and Jonathan Rice. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.